In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Paul, writer of the book Ephesians, as best we know, wrote, Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. King David is known as the friend of God. That's a pretty cool title, isn't it? To be the friend of God. He was the one who beat Goliath. He's the one who took over after the failed King Saul. He was a mighty warrior. He was the one who captured Jerusalem and set it up as the Israelites' kingdom. But like all human beings, there's a dark side. David, in fact, from our reading today, has a very dark side. That is a true part of humanity. There's just something that is broken in us. That brokenness is often identified as pride or selfishness or some kind of self-centeredness. And this story one of the most sad stories written in the Bible is portrayed about someone who is remembered as one of the greatest kings of all Israel. But the story is one of power, of exploitation of a woman, of murder. It's a difficult story. It's a sad story. But I'm glad that the Bible includes it. The Bible does not pull back from the realities of life. It shows us who we are like a mirror. And if we're willing, not just to dismiss this to characters and narratives of the old days, but to even see our own brokenness in all that is written. David can then become a symbol for us of the way life can go from being at its top to spinning out of control into the brokenness that can often be a part of the human experience. The story of David and Bathsheba is a story of a man who is at the top of his game. But somehow, it seems, he finds power in himself. And it becomes a picture, when he thinks he is his own God, of how all things can go wrong. How pride and arrogance and poor decisions can spin out of control. It start, starts out, his bad decision. 
He's supposed to be out with his troops. It's what kings did in those days. He decides to skip that part of his job where the kings go off to war. He was beyond and above that. He's proven everything he needed to. He had been overcome by arrogance and boredom, by a self-understanding of his own power. He then places his own desire over the concerns of anyone else. Even his general and even the wife of his general. He exploits her. He acts in selfishness. When caught, he works to cover it up. When the cover-up does not work, things spin out of control and he further tries to protect himself. And in the wake of self-protection, lives are lost and people are desperately hurt. It may be an extreme story, but it's really a story of how a life can go from being in control and on top, of walking with God, of being a friend of God, and how quickly, through pride, life can begin to spin out of control especially without a willingness to be able to repent and return to God. But that's the dark side, the reality that we are familiar with because we're familiar with humanity. The good news of our faith is that it doesn't have to be this way. We can just learn from others' mistakes. And that's where I think Paul, writing in Ephesians, says, glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we could ever ask or even imagine. God's power working in us can do infinitely more than we can even imagine. The spiritual word or the theological word for that is oblation. You might know oblation when you think about the people who bring down the bread and the wine in normal circumstances for a holy Eucharist. They are oblation bearers. They are bringing down the bread and the wine that we will use for that celebration. They're called oblation bearers because Oblation is the blending of the work of God with human abilities. God grows the wheat. We grind it up and bake it and make bread. God grows grapes. We stomp on it and store it and make wine. Together, as we pray over that bread and that wine, that work of God, coupled with the work of humanity, then becomes the very presence of God to us in the bread and the wine. It's an oblation, a self-giving act. It's what happens to us. God takes our gifts and abilities. God has placed them into our life. We use education. We use rehearsal and practice to be able to take these gifts and be able to offer them to the world and back to God. It's an oblation, a gift of self-giving 
what God has placed within us, and we have worked in home. That image that Paul gives us is that our lives, when we keep this in front of us, is an oblation act. Taking what God has gifted us with, and then God making something more of it within us so that we can give back to this world. I think it's kind of what's happening here in our reading from the book of John. You might have noticed we skipped out of the book of Mark that we've been going through. We're going to spend the next five weeks in the book of John, chapter number six, unpacking the meaning of the Holy Eucharist. And so we begin this Sunday by telling the story that will set the narrative, the feeding of the 5,000, breaking bread, sharing it, and giving it out. It becomes a model for us of the work that God is able to accomplish through us as we cooperate with what God is doing. And it will be more than we can ask or imagine. I love how the story is structured. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, says, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? I think it's the way that we often feel about the gifts or the abilities that we have. I don't have much to give, God. It's so little. How could it ever help or affect anyone? Just like Philip who says, there's 5,000 people here, what's five loaves and two fish? God takes that minimal and makes it abundant. Our meager resources, our meager abilities, our meager amount of time, our meager amount of will, our meager amount of resources, all of a sudden becomes abundant when we give it back to God. When we offer to the world and to one another the gift that we have, coupled with the gift of the Spirit that lives within us, it becomes something abundant. I love how it says that Jesus took that meager gift. He blessed, he gave thanks, and he gave, he distributed to those who were seated. When we live our life, not in the delusion of our own power or our own abilities or in our own self-protection, but instead saying, this is what I have, be it great or little, and only God can make it more. Then we move into what Jesus did, who took the little meager gift, he said a thank you, and he distributed. We accomplish so much beyond our imaginations when we mix it with God's work within our heart. I love that they gathered up so much that they had 12 baskets full. After all of that, everyone was satisfied, and yet there was 12 more. Why 12? One basket for each of the disciples to go on and to carry on that miracle of meagerness that becomes abundance. 
That's what we do. As we are oblation bearers in this world, taking the gifts that God has given us, even if we think that it's just so small, when it's mixed then with the grace of God's Spirit, with the strength of God's presence, and as it's distributed, as it's given, it becomes abundant. That's the power of God at work. No wonder Paul said, glory to God, by whose power and work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we could ever ask or imagine. As we go into the world, we need not fall into the trap of what David did. But we're able to fall into the arms of God who allows us to accomplish far more than we could ever ask or imagine.